0: What is up guys and welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding b and Podcast, episode 32. So to give you a time step as we do for all of our episodes, today is Monday, October the 17th and it's about 11.30pm. And guys, if you're watching us on YouTube, please comment, like, subscribe. Please comment, like, subscribe. I appreciate all my subscribers so far and I thank you guys for tuning in. And guys, we're just here to recap the Washington football team's embarrassing loss, to the Kansas City Chiefs, thirty-one to thirteen, and as I just said, this is an embarrassing loss. But this is—it's a perfect cap to a devastating week to be a Washington football team fan. Honestly, with so much that we've gone through this week, with the Sean Taylor fiasco, the email controversy, everything that has just been brought up off the field this week, this was a perfect ender for the on-field aspect of the organization. Yeah, it was terrible. It was—it was terrible. And I'm starting to really question. You know, my fandom, this is the first time in a long time where I'm questioning, like, why do I put myself through it? And I think it's because I invested so much into the team this year, you know, with us starting the podcast, me, you know, putting money to the side to become a season ticket holder for the first time, me supporting the team, me buying apparel, me buying merch, me buying everything, like, me putting in so much time, so much effort, and so much money, and I'm really, like... I, I I and I've heard people say this before, so I don't want to. I don't want to feel like this was an original idea. But I honestly feel like I'm in an abusive relationship with the Washington Football Team because I don't think at this point they'll ever love me back. They'll they won't ever love me back, not the way that I love them. And I'm about to stop loving them. Just as I'm about to stop loving them so hard because this is this is despicable. This is. This is this is crazy. This is ridiculous. Any word that you want to put in your vocabulary out of your vernacular. This is this is crazy. Um like I said, I was there um like I am for every game and you know, we're going to give you the offensive breakdown first. And the reason why I really want to point out point out that I was there is because the biggest reason for this loss, despite what anybody wants to tell you, despite what you may hear throughout the Washington football team community, Taylor Heineke was the biggest reason for this loss, and the reason that I said that, and like I said, I want to put a huge emphasis on I was there, because like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to, ooh, I'm a, I'm a fan that actually goes to the games, and never that, never that, but the reason that I'm stressing that I was there is because there's some things that you don't see on the TV copy, And I've seen a lot of people throughout the Washington football team community in, you know, between yesterday's game and today talking about Scott Turner's play calling. Let me tell you right now, I'm here to say that I know for a fact that Scott Turner's play calling, which was very conservative in the second half. I agree with all of you guys, but the reason that it was so conservative in the second half is because Taylor Heineke was missing dudes running wide open down the middle of the field throughout the entire first half half throughout the entire first half i'm talking about from the first drive to the end of the first half taylor heineke could not see the field well at all yesterday he was locking in on receivers he was locking in on reads he was he 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 was almost hesitant to use his legs something that we haven't really seen from him um it shows some remnants honestly from the buffalo game but taylor heineke was the biggest reason that we lost this game his stat line reads is 24-39 for 182 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Listen to that stat line. You're dropping back 39 times for only 182 yards? That's pitiful. That is pitiful against one of the worst defenses all time historically. This was the only defense in the league worse than us, and we couldn't even score on them in the second half this is it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and like I said guys I was there I know exactly why Scott Turner called a, a, a bubble screen on third and two on the short side of the field in the red zone not saying it was a good call at all but he was giving Taylor Heineke one read because that seemed to be the only reason he was making we heard all this talk about him being a five read quarterback my butt my butt. I'm gonna try not to curse this episode, like I said in the last one. I don't know how well it's gonna work, but like this is what this team brings me to. This is what this team brings me to. It was a horrible performance from Taylor Heineke, and this—he's this, starting to show the reasons why he's been a career journeyman. He's starting to show the reasons why he was a backup on the XFL team, and there was a reason why I told you I was so hesitant to jump on the bandwagon. And he's showing them why. hes showing them why—he's showing them why, guys. Talking about there were guys running wide open in the middle of the field. Not saying that Scott turned to Sean McVay or any type of play calling guru, but Taylor Heineke he was just missing guys. And uh, and the reason why is because he's the same height as me and he can't see over Eric Flowers. He can't see over Chase Roulet. I'm telling you why. It's the same reason why he throws those lollipop passes. His height is an issue. His height is an issue, and what I was telling a, a couple of fans that were sitting next to me, because, I, you know, I'm, i I said, believe the B&G, we're never scared to hold back our thoughts. I, I was pointing it out in real time. I'm like, look, look at all the open dudes that he's missing, specifically in the middle of the field, specifically in the middle of the field, because he can't see these guys. And then uh, a a fan that was sitting next to me is like, well, Kyler Murray can make those throws. Yes, Kyler Murray Murray is outside of the pocket 75% 75 of the game. Kyler Murray is going to make his own throwing lanes because he has exceptional speed and exceptional quickness. Yeah, we think Taylor uh, Heineke is a great athlete, which he is. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Lamar Jackson. And these are still guys that, that struggle with their throwing lanes and things like that. He's not Russell Wilson. It was a horrible performance by Taylor yesterday. I'm talking about late on reads, uh, still throwing balls with no velocity. Um, the D balls, those those were straight YOLO balls. He's not looking off any safety, locking in on the receiver. Both uh, both D balls to Terry McLaurin. He stared down Terry McLaurin, and I'll speak on Terry McLaurin in, in later in the episode. Um, but and he should have came up. I honestly think they. Terry could have came up with one of those balls, but Taylor didn't look off of safety or anything. Like it was it was it was very elementary quarterback play yesterday. Very elementary. And it's a reason why we we see why, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the starter coming out of training camp. Taylor Heineke is starting to show you a lot of, you know, the traits that we did not want to see. The traits that kept him, like I said, as a career backup. That kept him struggling to find a job in the NFL. That kept him taking math classes um, at ODU at this point last year. Like it, 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 it it was ridiculous. It was it, it was ridiculous. It, yeah. Um, Going to keep going with the offense. Antonio Gibson, you got to hold on to the damn ball, my guy. You got to hold on to the damn ball. And I have a reason, and this is a bigger issue. Why was Antonio Gibson even playing yesterday? I have a text at one I have a text to the group chat, you know, with my guy rambling about Washington, Rio Wasp, uh, Robinson, and the Tay and Todd podcast. And it said, one o nine p.m. I said, Antonio Gibson is not healthy. This guy's lipping between plays. This is during the first series. This is during the first series. And, you know, he's already reported that he has, you know, shin splints and a stretch fracture and things like that. This is a guy who's a 230-pound running back with lower leg injuries. This can't go well. And it didn't. And it didn't. Yes, you do have to hold on to the ball. But if you're focusing on these injuries, it's going to be hard for you to. It's going to be very hard for you, too. And this goes back to what I've been talking about in the last couple of episodes with, you know, um, us having a roster issue because, you know... Evidently, the team doesn't have much faith in Jared Patterson as you know a bell a bell cow running back. Somebody is going to take those carries. You know, J. D. McKissick is great in the pass game, but he's not necessarily you want somebody. But he's not necessarily somebody you want running the ball between the tackles. And it's something that I think Jared Patterson can do. So why is he only having one carry yesterday? Like it, it it's 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 ridiculous. It's it. And the thing is, at this point. We lose, we lose whatever type of way you want us to lose because the defense actually, and I'll touch base on them, they actually had a solid first half, but now the offense doesn't want to hold up its end of the bargain. We can never just get the clicking on all cylinders, and it's, 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 it's hurtful to see. It's honestly hurtful to see because we go, we through it week in and week out where, you know, we hear all this coach speak, all just one or two plays. Oh, it's just one or two plays. All the guys got to mature, but we're not seeing the improvement. We're not seeing the improvement, and we're not hearing the sense of urgency from the coaching staff, from the front office, and things like that. I'm not even, don't even get me started in the front office. I'm going to lay them a new one later in this episode. But Antonio Gibson, you know, he had 10 carries for 44 yards. And I honestly think that, you know, Scott Turner was hesitant to run the ball with him after that fumble because that fumble was bad. That fumble was bad. He never really had secure control of the ball on that possession. Um, He fumbled the ball. And like I said, it looked like he was worried more about the injuries than the ball. And I can't really blame him. This is a running back with shin splints and stress fractures. Why is he even playing? Because we have to force him because we don't have faith in our other guys. A roster issue. This roster is flawed. This roster is flawed. And this this is a reason why I don't really see us winning too many more games this season. This is a flawed roster. J.D. McKinsey, he played pretty well. Um, I did like seeing him involved more in the pass game and things like that. But, I mean, it, it seemed that me, that was the only thing that Taylor Heineke could hit yesterday. So, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. And if you guys can remember, in training camp, Taylor Heineke was talking about how he rather preferred to the uh, throw to the right side of the field to the to the left. That is so true. So why are you giving them your train, your scouting report in training camp? If you go look at the game yesterday, it was about seventy five percent, twenty five percent share of you know Taylor Heineke throwing between the the right right side of the field and the left side of the field because I damn sure rarely ever saw him throw through the middle. I think he completed the dig, one day dig route to Deami Brown, but like, it, it you gave him your scouting report like 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 you you gonna overcome it. Like where like what is going on? You... you I, I'm starting to, like, this guy Taylor, he has a, he has a, some irrational confidence. If you guys go back to, you know, the game against the Carolina Panthers when, you know, the Chase the Young mic'd up segment, he's like, I, I like what you're doing for He's like, this is what I do. Yeah, we loved it in real time, but he's showing some of this irrational confidence. Like, why would you give the entire NFL your scouting report in the training camp and it, and it, and it holds up to be true? I can see if you were throwing them off with things like that, like, like, you can overcome that. Like, you have the arm strength and the physical natural ability to overcome it. Like, ah, 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 ah. I'm kind of glad that I didn't, you know, head up full steam ahead on that Taylor Heineke bandwagon because it's looking really rocky. Ricky Sills Jones. Ricky Sills Jones has played pretty well. I honestly haven't seen much of a drop-off in between Ricky Seals Jones and the healthy Logan Thomas. Now, that's no shade to Logan Thomas. It's more to talk about how Ricky Sills Jones has stepped up. Even watching in real time yesterday, um, he, he was, you know, giving effort in the blocking game. By no means is he a dominant, you know, blocking type tight end or anything like that. But he's not Jordan Reed, you know. He's not Vernon Davis, you know, older Vernon Davis. Uh, Washington football team version of Vernon Davis. He's not that. He will stick his nose in there and I think he's, he, he has the athleticism and the footwork to, you know, move some people in the run game uh, and, then, you know, and that's a that's a positive because, you know, there aren't really, uh, you can't really have as many tails, you know, when he's on the field. It's not an automatic, oh, he's passing oh he's, he's it, oh, it's a run play, oh, it's a pass play when he's on the field if he's able to provide, you know, just some, some sustainability in a, a run game, which he showed me yesterday. He had a really good performance yesterday i think that the touchdown was a beautiful play design where scott um designed you know the bubble screen and then uh ricky uh sales jones faked the block and then cut up the same it was was a beautiful play call and um ricky sales jones saw some of the explosion from the tight end position to convert that into touchdown even though he's running wide open you know he still had a couple of yards to get there to get to the end zone and he made it um, so a, a great, great performance by Ricky Sears Jones. John Bates actually caught a pass yesterday. And I, I, I think that the offensive line held up pretty well. Um, I, I know it seemed that they made, uh, I know it seemed yesterday that they allowed uh, some pressure. They did allow some pressure, but a lot of that had to do with Taylor Haneke holding on to the ball. Like I said, I agree with a lot of you guys that the, that the play caller was really conservative in the second half. But Taylor needs to know this as well. He has one and two read plays where, you know, if the first or second read isn't there, you got to make something happen. You got to get out the pocket. You got to expend plays. You got to do these things that you're doing against these bad defenses. Like, like it's starting. your performances are starting to look like a facade. You're a guy that, you know, we can't win with. You're a guy that we can't win with, but we can't count on you to win us a game. And, you know, that's typical qualities of, you know, a solid backup quarterback, which I'm starting to believe that Taylor Heineke is, and nothing much more. Because, like I said, it's great for you to torture New York Giant defense and Atlanta Falcons defense, but what's happening when you're going against the Saints of the world, the the, the Bills of the world, and then you go against the worst defense in the NFL, but they still have a solid team and a solid organization, and you don't play up the park. You do not play up the park. guys. We got shut out by the in the second half by the worst defense in the NFL. Listen to how that sounds. And then this is showing shades of 2019 offense again. 2018, uh, um, 2000, yeah, 2017 offense again. Where, like I told you guys last week, it's Terry and the Pips. And yesterday, Terry was one of the Pips. To be honest. Terry McLaurin did not have one of his best games. You know, the stat line read as four receptions for 28 yards. He nearly almost lost me my fantasy game. That's why we're recording this pod so late. I had to see what my boy Josh Allen did. Thank you. Thank you for, for making up for what Terry McLaurin couldn't give me this week. But hopefully, you know, Terry, we can get back on track next week. But, and, and, it, and it wasn't all Terry's fault. It wasn't all Terry's fault. Um, you know, I, I did think that, you know, the first deep ball in the first quarter, I think that Terry could have came down with that ball. That's a ball that we've seen him come down with. Um, he did have his first drop of the season on a low ball. Um, it could have been a better ball, but we've we seen Terry in specific, specifically make that play. And we've seen other receivers in the NFL make that play. And we see other top 10 receivers in the NFL, which I personally believe that Terry McLaurin is. We've seen them make that play. Um, so it's been two straight, you know, two rough weeks for Terry McLaurin. So hopefully he can bounce back against Green Bay. And like I said, it wasn't all of his fault. He did have the offensive pass interference, which was just a bad play by him. It was clear and evident he was blocking downfield, um, and it it, it 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 was it wasn't Terry's best game. It wasn't Terry's best game at all. And I did want to mention um, yesterday, as I mentioned last week, I told you that I, I I finally saw Terry getting frustrated on the field last week, and it's something that I haven't really seen in his you know three years as a Washington football team player. And I don't know if it's with the quarterback play. But the reason that I bring this up, if you guys can remember the second deep ball that uh, that Taylor threw to Terry, I believe in the third quarter, um, where Terry really didn't really get up under the ball. Guys, Terry McLaurin jogged that route. And I think it's because he didn't expect Taylor Heineke, Mr. Wet Noodle Arm, to, you know, he knew that he was running a a, a go route, a fly ball. He didn't expect that ball to come this way because the ball hadn't been coming his way all game. The ball had not been coming this way all game, and it was a, it was a go ball, but it was kind of up the scene towards the middle of the field. And I'm telling you, that's why Terry jogged the route, not making an excuse for Terry. And Terry, we need we do need to run all our routes at hundred percent, which you normally do. But I I, I I'm telling you why. Uh, and, and like we've never really seen Terry McLaurin not get up under a ball. Yeah, we, he might not be able to make a catch or anything like that. But what have we really seen? Terry McLaurin, who's a speed demon, not really get up under a play to even get his hands on the ball. You get what I'm saying? And I'm telling you why. Because he jogged that play. He jogged the route. He jogged the route. And then when the ball was up in the air, he tried to like speed up. And he's so fast that he still got to step on the DB, but he didn't get back. Uh, he couldn't, he wasn't able to track the ball. And th- there are reasons why. There are reasons why. He's losing faith in Taylor. He's losing faith in Taylor. And I do want to mention one thing. Uh... I made a tweet. Uh, <laughs> it was it was right after the Dustin Hopkins miss where I said we win this game with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Guys, let me tell you now, I, 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 there was no chance we was winning that game with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I will admit it. I will admit it. I was a, a prisoner of the moment in that time. But you got to remember, we were still in the lead at that point. And, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to eat crow on that one. I'm going to eat crow on that one because the events that led right after that tweet, the events that, you know, happened right after that tweet, yeah, no, nah, there was no way that we was winning that game yesterday. We could have had Jesus Jesus Shuttlesworth. We could have had Jesus Christ himself back there at quarterback. We wasn't winning that game yesterday. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because I, I was getting attacked by a lot of the Washington football team community. I'm like, look at the time of the tweet, guys, you know, I had a, had a, had a couple stellar artois in me, you know, just look at the time of the tweet. You guys are right. You guys are right. I'll give it to you this time. Um, but the offensive line, like I said, the offensive line played well. Um, and that's, I think that's a pretty, pretty good wrap up, um, on the offense. They, they, this was probably the worst performance of the season. So it's not really too much for me to say about them. Um. Like I said, it was Terry and the Pips, and yesterday it was just all Pips. But I do want to say one thing. I do want to say one thing. You guys told me that Deontay Brown was a, a deep threat. Y'all told me Deontay Brown was a deep threat. I don't think he's as fast as you guys made him out to be. I rarely see him ever run by run, run by anybody. And, and 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 yesterday he had a he had a ball. I, I think this was one of Taylor's better balls where he had army. For a, a deep pass in the end zone, and it hit Diami in the hands. It hit army in the hands. You have to make that catch, especially if you're known as a deep threat. That you know somebody that can track the ball. It was one of Taylor Heineke's best throws of the day, and you did not come down with that pass. And then you know after after It's it it it's You know what Adam Humphries right now. You know what Antonio Gandy Golden like it. it it's bad. It's bad all all the way around. This is a roster issue. This is a banged up roster. You know, Antonio Gibson had an MRI today. I, uh, yeah. The outlook for this season isn't looking too promising, guys. Isn't looking too promising to say the least. Alright, so that's it for the offense. And since we're at the halfway point of this part, we, you know, we just have to we just have the defense to wrap up. Um I'm going to go ahead and talk about this Sean Taylor halftime ceremony. I think this is a pretty good segue. Um, And I didn't really want to talk about the Sean Taylor, you know, retirement ceremony fiasco um, leading up to the game because Sean, Sean Taylor really impacted me, right? So, it was really making me upset. Like, I played safety, my birthday is November 21st, so my, my favorite number was 21 even before Sean wore it. And then when he ended up wearing it, you know, it, 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 yeah, like we're me and Sean are locked in. Like, I was in seventh grade when he died, I cried like a baby for about week, well a week straight. I made my art teacher in seventh grade, cut on his funeral during class. Like So I really didn't want to touch bases on it, um, especially, you know, making content on it and things like that. Because, like, I get emotional talking about Sean. Like, Sean is my guy. Uh, that's one of my few childhood idols that I had. And it's somebody that, you know, when you see greatness and you realize it at a, at a young age, you really want to hold on to it. So for him to be taken away at such a young age, it still pains me to talk about even 14 years later, now that I'm a full grown, almost 26 year old adult. Like it, it, it's crazy to talk about. And like, the, and this is the, as I told you guys at the beginning of the episode, this is one of the reasons why I'm starting to question my fandom. like. This whole fiasco was a was a damn joke. It was a damn joke. Like, and 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 we need to stop lying. We need to stop lying. People telling people, people saying this ceremony was planned months ahead and things like that. So why is my high school senior night football ceremony more extravagant than one of the greatest safeties of all time retirement ceremony or the alumni weekend? All-alumni weekend. This is how I know for a fact that somebody's lying, and I just need you guys to fuss up to it, which I know you won't, which I know you won't. This was a distraction for all the emails relating back to Bruce Allen and the Washington football team. Just be honest with us. Just be honest with us. I'm somebody, you know, like I said, I go to the game every Sunday. I'm sitting there like, nope, I'm not getting up at halftime. Not getting up at halftime. I want to see what they got. You know, it's homecoming weekend and things like that. Guys, they brought out the, the, the homecoming, you know, the Washington football team alumni, and their name? like they didn't even spotlight anybody they didn't even spotlight anybody they're like here's the team of the 60s here's the team of the 70s and you know the washington football team of the 80s one of the you know great dynasties of the NFL they're just running off they didn't even acknowledge them by name here's the washington football team of the 80s this is I know this was rushed because if you if you really wanted to, you could have got an exception an exception from the NFL to get an extension or for a couple of minutes for a special ceremony, which you usually get for, you know, pre planned retirement ceremony. But that wasn't it. You got Sean Taylor and his family taking pictures in front of the road dedication side, in front of some porta potties. Like this is a joke. This is a joke of an organization. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Like One of the worst things that you can do in my eyes is play with Sean Taylor and and the legacy that he left behind. And you did it. And you did it. And you did it. Dad Snyder doesn't care about anybody but himself. Tanya Snyder doesn't care about anybody but herself. This is a joke. They got Jason Wright laying on the shield taking all these bullets. This is a joke. This is a joke of an organization, and they're putting me through my misery. I'm about to become a Ravens fan, and I never picture myself saying that. I hope you guys can, you know, follow me over to my Ravens football podcast because this this why am I wasting my time with this f- franchise? It looked like you only talked to Santana Moss for the tribute video. This is how I know this stuff was rushed. And yes, I had a very long day yesterday. Let me tell you why. I was able to get, you know, my Sean Taylor towel, but that's because I had to get in the stadium at, at 10.30. Who wants to spend... Two and a half hours before a game in an NFL stadium. But no, I have to get into the stadium because you only want to put out 10,000 towels. I have to rush and get a, get into the stadium to get some memorabilia to hang on my wall for a guy that I admire because you only want to put out 10,000 towels because you want to rush everything. I know about the supply chain and all that. We're very educated over at Bleeding B&G. But guess what? If you put this in about three months ago, if you put this in about three months ago if you put this in about three months ago maybe the supply you know the supply and demand would have been there because this is a joke this is a joke Like, I mean by half time, by, by the first quarter I was tired because I had to spend and, and, and it's all a point to put more money in the Dan starters pockets it's all a play to put more money to the starter pockets. We are gonna get the first ten thousand fans in there so they can rush in there. At least we got ten thousand fans in the stadium now. They gotta buy something, right? They gotta get something to drink. They gotta eat. They ain't here three hours before the game. Then they gotta be in here for another four hours for the game. Like this is it it it, 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 it? it it I I I don't and you I don't have, I'm speechless. I'm a podcaster and I'm speechless. Like this is ridiculous. This is a joke of an organization and I continue to ask myself, why do I put myself through this abusive relationship for a team that is not going to let me back? I can't believe, I apologize, Sean. I can't believe they did that to you. I can't believe they did that to you. Going on to the defense before I, I yeah, going on to the defense before I really go in like I really want to. Let's go on to the defense. Um, Chase Young. I think Chase Young played his best game of the season. Uh, and we, we, I think we get, we have to temper our expectations with Chase like Young at this point. I don't think that he's, um, producing generational type talent, you know, generational type production to this point. No, he does have generational type talent. And I'm going to always be a believer in that with some of the flashes of things that he has shown. But he isn't a, uh, he isn't producing generational type, you know, Production at this point, but he is playing a lot better than he was earlier in the season. He had a uh, sack um, early in the game uh, yesterday, uh, where he showed you know a really good move. Um, I'm really curious as why he's lining up over the right side, um, over the right tackle, the left side of the defense so much this season. It's something that they did last season. I didn't see them do it nearly as much. Um, but you know Chase Young had a really good game. I think that Jonathan Jonathan Allen was pretty good. As well in the past game, you know, early in the first half, you know, when, you know, we were sticking to our scheme of keeping two safeties high, um, we were we were we were pretty good. We were looking pretty good. We were looking pretty good on getting constant pressure on the front four. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a tough guy to sack because, you know, he leaves out that back door of the pocket and things like that. And his pocket awareness is... It's kind of shaky, to be honest, but he's able to maneuver in the pocket where he's kind of hard to sack. Um, so, you know, I wasn't mad at the D-line's play in the first half yesterday. I wasn't mad at the scheme in the first half yesterday. Jamin Davis had a really good game yesterday. I think that Jamin, I thought that Jamin Davis was actually really solid in coverage. If you look at some of those underneath routes, if you look at some of the, you know, plays where Patrick Mahomes was holding the ball for a tick second longer, a lot of those were due to Jamin Davis erasing that middle underneath route. He had a really solid game in coverage yesterday, and it's some of the things that I t- that I saw on film in Kentucky. Like I told you guys early in the Bleeding B and um, podcast series, I never thought that Jamin Davis was a downhill linebacker, never. But he's great in coverage. He's great side to side, and you know he he, he had a, a really really good. I think he played fifty three percent of the snaps yesterday. Eleven tackles. You know he he was all over the field. Cole Holcomb was all over the field. The linebackers played really well yesterday. But the secondary is still ass. The secondary still sucks. The secondary is still horrible. William Jackson III is the second coming of Josh Norman. Like, how do you... It's, it's like... Guys, and let me know if I'm... It's like corners... No matter the scheme, we can't even talk about scheme and things like that. Because we played a lot of man yesterday. We played a lot of man yesterday. Played a lot of two-man high yesterday. A lot of cover, too. Um, uh, that, uh, uh, we, play, we, played, we played a fair share of man yesterday. So, William Jackson can't even use that in his excuse. So, is it like, guys, is it like, do cornerbacks come to Washington and just forget how to cover? Like, is it something about the DMV? Is it the DMV water? Like, what's going on? Josh Norman. Like, William Jackson III. Carlos Rodgers got better when he left D.C. Sean Springs wasn't as good when he got to D.C. Like, what is going on? Do cornerbacks just get to Washington and forget how to cover everybody except D'Angelo Hall, who had, a, who had a kind of a career renaissance when he got here? But it's like every other cornerback just gets to Washington and is like, ah, I'm not a corner anymore. I'm not a good corner anymore. I'm burnt toast now. It, it's ridiculous. It The secondary sucks. Guys, Patrick Mahomes was going away from Benjamin St. Juice to pick on William Jackson. He was going away from my third-round rookie cornerback to pick on a $14 million a year prize free agent acquisition. You know how backwards that sounds? Do you know how backwards that sounds? Kendall Fuller caught a pick yesterday, but he, t- 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 granted, the ball came right to him. Tyreek Hill tapped the ball up in the air right to him, but he was still getting picked on. He's still getting picked on. Like it, it, it It's bad. Tyreek Hill crossing up, uh, shaking William Jackson, looking back at him, made a mid play and keep going. The level of disrespect, guys. I saw yesterday. I saw Tyreek Hill catch a he- hit route. I saw Tyreek Hill catch a hit route about three yards, four yards, give me William Jackson with of the meanest stiff arms in 2021, almost get the first down. William Jackson got up and dapped this man up. I lie to you not. He got up and dapped this man up. That's how you know he's just happy he got paid. He's just here for the vibes at this point. He's just in Washington for the vibes. William Jackson III, he is the hamburger. He is robbing. He is robbing the bank right now. But nobody's robbing the bank as bad as Landon Collins. Landon Collins over here getting mossed by no names. Guys that got as much NFL experience as me. Like, like, is that how you wanted to honor Sean? By getting mauls by Jody Fortson. And then if you heard Coach Rivera in his press conference today, um, the day after the game, you know, Landon did play a lot in the box yesterday. And I think that was due to, uh, you know, the game plan early in the game was, you know, to keep two safeties high. And that was, those two safeties yesterday were Cam Curl and Bobby McCain. And Coach Rivera said we do believe that, you know, Landon plays his best football closer to the line of the scrimmage, which is true. But I think that that's also Coach me for, we don't think that Landing can cover anymore. He's not throwing this guy under the bus, but when when a coach says that much, he's saying enough. He's saying enough. And Landon, he plays so flat-footed, I, I, I the injury is just zap Landing of anything that he has. And it's getting to a point where I get irritated with anything he does. I don't know if you guys remember late in the second half, There was a ball in the flat that Patrick Mahomes uh, threw that ended up incomplete Um, where Landon Landon Collins was playing a flat zone and things. He wasn't really close to making that play. He's over here clapping his hands, slapping like he really got the ball. I got so ticked off. I got so ticked off. I'm like, bro, you weren't even there. Who who do you think you're fooling? Who do you think you're fooling? Because if you actually moved and didn't act like your feet weren't cement, you could have made that play. That could have been an impact play for Washington. Nobody, nobody, nobody was, was, I mean, you're pretty slow at this point, so you probably would have got ran down. But nobody would have been in that vicinity if you made a clean break on the ball. It would have been you and Patrick Mahomes in a race to the end zone, and you probably would have lost that one because you slow as a mug right now. But Landon Collins is just robbing the bank right now. He's just robbing the bank right now. And I honestly, I lied to you now. Hey, you know, hey, hey, this is the, you know, fairy tale, you know, movie mindset that I have. I thought that he was gonna play for Sean yesterday. I don't think he's capable of playing for Sean at this point in his career. Landon Collins is 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 washed up. He he's very washed up. So um and and last but not least, Jack Del Rio, my, my guy, why'd you let them scare you out your game plan? Why'd you let them scare you out your game plan? I I, I didn't mind the Bimba Don't Break game plan from the first half. Like I said, you were playing a lot of two man and a lot of uh cover two with safeties playing high. But I think you know, with that drive before half where you know they got a field goal, I think you got nervous. You no, know, the drive before half where I think it resulted in the actual Kendall Fuller interception. I think you got nervous. Because even with like two minutes left, you playing prevent. It's still two minutes left, Jack. What are we playing prevent for? And then the zones got softer and softer and softer as the second half went on. And despite how good we think that the defense played, Patrick Mahomes still ended up with 400 passing yards. The Kansas City Chiefs still ended up with 499 total yards. Let's give them 500. So like I said, I, I, at this point, it's, I I don't know what what to say, what to do. What it, it's a lost cause. We're not we're just not that talented. We're not that talented. We have a bad organization, and honestly, at this point, I wouldn't mind losing out. I wouldn't mind losing out because I've come to the realization, and I've I've known this, but I thought that you know our dominant supposedly defense that we were going to have coming into the season was going to be able to you know withstand this. But we won't be anything until we get that franchise quarterback, guys. We won't be anything. Look at Dallas. Dallas was worse than us last year. Now they're 5-1. It looks like looks to be competing for a Super Bowl. Contending for a Super Bowl. And you know that pains me to say. So like I said, at this point, uh, I'm at this point in the season where I don't mind if we lose every game. Because it's it's all it's about the big picture now. It's about the long term, and if you look around the NFL, you gotta have a quarterback. The Arizona Cardinals are six and zero. They've never been a juggernaut of a franchise. The San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, excuse me, are one of the best teams in the NFL. They've been snake bitten for years, but they have their guy now. Kansas City, one of the upper echelon franchises. We just saw we just saw a baby go yesterday in Patrick Mahomes. So it's honestly come to the point where, if it comes with a sacrifice in the rest of the two thousand twenty one season for us to get that guy, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. Whether that be Matt Corral, whether that be Malik Willis, or was somebody that that shoots up to the top. Because I don't see us winning many more games with Taylor Heineke behind the helm. I don't. So that's it for episode 32 of the Bleeding B N G podcast, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, tap into our social media pages. Tap into our Instagram, at Bleeding b That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G, B-N-G. Tap into our Twitter, at Bleeding b Spelling a tad bit different. That one is at B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. BNG, so it's only one G in our Twitter handle. Like I said, guys, at the beginning of this episode, if you're watching us on YouTube, please comment, please like, please subscribe, and please check us out on all podcast platforms. Please leave a rating and a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, so that when you're looking for Washington football team content, Bleeding b and is your number one go-to. We're the thing that's popping up. We're the, we're the podcast that's popping up whenever you're looking for Washington football team content. You can search us on YouTube at Bleeding Burgundy and Gold, at Bleeding b and or you can search my name at Jalen Morgan. I appreciate you guys for tuning in to episode 32 of the Bleeding B&G Podcast. Guys, this is this is gonna be a long season, but we're gonna push this content out to you. Cause I gotta do it for my fans. I love you guys. Tap into our next episode. Peace.